them are more than pals Our show can be a little gay But if you're not, that's okay You can listen and have fun either way Xena, Star Wars, Doctor Who Guests and music and reviews Game of Thrones, why Nona too? She promised there's something for you She nerds out We're girls that like girls That like dirty things Hello and welcome to the She Nerds Out podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Wendy. And I'm Tara. Today's episode, we are talking to Adrian Wilkinson. Woo-hoo! One of the stars from Xena Warrior Princess to celebrate our 25th anniversary month of Xena. Uh, we've got some nerd news coming. But first, mailbag. Mailbag. Mail call. All right. So someone wrote to our She Nerds Out mail. And I already know they're a smart person. Um <laughs> Because they decided to watch Person of Interest. They finally got around to it. Why? Because it's leaving Netflix on September 22nd. Hmm. So she writes that she binged the whole series and she is now obsessed, like, and I quote, Tara and Grey's Anatomy obsessed. We all know that uh, is a pretty high level of obsession. I mean, isn't Um, Wendy POI obsessed as high as Tara? Oh, yeah. Easy. We were talking <laughs> once we get to the end, we're like, kind of like, I want to start from the beginning. I'm making <laughs> my own POI. But you know what Grey's Anatomy has that POI doesn't? Too many seasons? Longevity. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh, here we go. Coming in hot. <laughs> oh, it's all fine. Here's the thing. POI oh, no. was screwed around by CBS. Yeah, I'll say it. They canceled them, not because they had bad ratings, because they didn't have good enough ratings, and CBS didn't make enough money because they didn't own it. Oh, I'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But- don't you go there with I'm my longevity. We can't compare the two side How by side shows? because Cena doesn't have the longevity of Grays. We're not talking about Zena right now. <laughs> well, okay. Let me get to the email from I didn't even say anything. Four episode. <laughs> okay, right. let's go back. All right, we're going back. From Tracy. Tracy, what have you done to our Shale- podcast? I'll say Tracy. Shalibel. Okay, I'm totally not saying that right. Shibel. I <laughs> apologize, Tracy. Tracy. I'll go with Tracy. I apologize. Okay. Tracy S. So, Tracy S. I'll probably spend the rest of my day off watching interviews of the cast now or just start again. Smart girl. Just when I thought I'd run out of all the fan fiction I was interested in, now I've got a whole new world to explore. But seriously now, I understand Wendy's commitment to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Root and Shaw individually and Root's ability to get under Shaw's defenses. Plus... They're both smoking hot at the risk of sounding like a frat boy. Do they still say smoking hot? I'd say it's applicable. I wish they'd shown a little more of badass hacker root in seasons before five. They mostly just showed her assassin side in earlier seasons. Favorite episode was the one with shoot getting cozy hiding in the moving van. Can't remember which one it was as they were all as they're all blurring together. If you get Sarah Shahi on the show, I want to know why she's not in every TV show I watch. It has to be her choice because she's too good not to be in a lot more series as the main character. And then she says, any more show recommendations? I'm here for them. I've loved them all so far, except for that one unfortunate incident. I wonder if she means that movie. Of course she does. <laughs> of course she does. That's what you're talking about. Uh, I apologize. And she says, bye, ladies. Stay safe. Our bad. Good choice, Sorry. Tracy, to watch Person of Interest now. See, you get it. They're awesome. Um, the Moving Van. I wish I could tell you the name of that title. I can't remember the name of it. I know, I'm not saying I have all the titles memorized, but I know the episode you're talking about where shot runs out from the shootout in the makeup counter. Yeah, it was awesome. And then uh, the devil you know, maybe? Anyway, but uh, 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, they, I wish we'd seen more badass hacker Root. We needed, here's what I wanted, a day in the life of Root, where you saw what Root hmm. did when she wasn't hacking hmm. or assassinating or doing all, or trying to get with Shaw, all the things she did, like... <laughs> Because, you know, she's a hacker. And you see, like, female hacker, and they probably look like a scary female hacker. But Root was hot and stylish. She had great clothes. And I would just love to have seen, like, did the machine send her clothes? Because the machine sent her size. Like, what was a day off like for Root? A day in the life of Root. That's what I wanted. Uh, but thank you, Tracy, for writing us and your awesome choice in television shows. <laughs> Thanks Much for writing, appreciated. Tracy. Thank you. Well, mm-hmm. I have... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is like we'll look back on this as the beginning of the rift of this mm. podcast. <laughs> um, I have a recommendation. Mm-hmm. It's a show I just started watching. I'm almost done with season one. It's called Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah, Tara. Oh yeah, I thought that's why we we're talking about it because I watched. I finished season one and I'm into season two now. I didn't know you were watching it. Yes, awesome. I love it. Okay, yeah. It, well, it's because one of our listener mail, she. Uh, Suggested it and did someone on, on Twitter on Twitter. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, great. And so I said, I love the Karate Kid. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I heard such great things, and now it's all on Netflix. It's so good. I'm obsessed. I love it. I yes. It's so nostalgic, but also such a great take, a different take on the characters. Oh, it flips the switch completely. Like you're kind of rooting for the bad guy. Yes, and he is and- re- ridiculous. <laughs> he is. <laughs> It's so uh, fun. It's like, he's you know, stuck t- in the 80s, but it's That's it. Perfect. He's the he's the 80s bully who's trying to function in the modern world and he's trying. He's trying to he's learn. Trying. Yes. He's trying. And it's so emotionally satisfying. It is. <laughs> and even Daniel LaRusso who you rooted for now, you're kind of like, "Oh man, come on, Daniel." Yeah. But give then a he's kind of get him yeah. I, <laughs> like cool and they they kind of want to be friends but then they don't. Oh, it's just man. Oh, it's so, so stressful. Good. It's, it's very course, stressful, but it's so good. It's so good. I, I, did you? You said you got through season one, right? I'm almost through. The, I'm almost to the end of season one. Okay, all right. I got into. I'm a few into season two, so I'm okay. not too nice. far ahead of you. Okay, great. Man, uh, I'm loving when, it. Wendy, do you have any interests in Cobra Kai? Do you do you know the Karate Kid at all? I uh, who doesn't know the Karate I don't know. Kid? Come Some on people, now, come on. Did you I like it? it? I was okay. not into it as uh, maybe other people. I mean, I'm sure Cobra Kai is fine. I know the people at work have been talking about it. One of our reporters, every live hit, she ended with Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai. <laughs> I guess it's a, it's a movement. It's a way of life, she said. Uh, it is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it. I was you a, should. Give it a shot. I'm a, I, I was about to say I was a big karate nerd growing up, but I still am. Yeah, uh, nice. And martial arts and everything. And uh, I just love the Karate Kid. I even didn't hate the next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank just because it was like another karate movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't see like the newest remake with uh, Will Smith's son. I don't either. Uh, but I <laughs> I just, it's, it, it's funny and... Oh, you know, it's funny. It's, it's touching. There's yes. a lot of emotion. It's like a. It's. I think it's supposed to be a comedy, but there's a, there's a lot of drama. It's like real life in there. Yeah, totally. But they do it so well that it doesn't feel too heavy at all. No, uh, it's just it's a great like the perfect amount, and it's just a fun show, regardless. But especially if you know the Karate Kid dynamic and all yeah. the history it's, there, it's a lot of fun. Maybe so I'll watch good. it when it achieves longevity. Yeah, oh maybe. Well, yeah, we got to see. We'll know. Yeah, well, it's season three is uh, next year, coming up. right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I watch. Netflix and picked w- it up from YouTube Red. So, oh, good. Oh, yeah. so it's a Netflix. Now- <gasps> yep. So oh, Netflix good. is producing season three. 
that makes me feel good. Um, mm-hmm. Wendy, your boyfriend makes a cameo in this show. Which one is that? Which one's Our, my boyfriend? Your buddy Ed Asner. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Asner's in Cobra Kai? He sure yes. is. Well, that in itself is intriguing. I yeah. can't even imagine what Ed Asner's doing on Cobra Kai. But. He, he's, very, he's very Ed Asner in it. Wow. Okay. That anyway. Was a surprise. Yeah. One of the first <laughs> things I did when I moved to L.A. was I found the, the outside of the Cobra Kai uh, dojo. It's on nice. Lancashire Boulevard, Boulevard in North Hollywood. And wow. so I went there and I found like, uh, and also in Reseda where the Daniels apartment complex is. So that was mm-hmm. one of the first was things I did. LA? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's in the valley. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, it really? is so. It is so the valley. It's so okay. it's valley. I want to watch it. Perfect. So that I awesome. live in the valley. You'll recognize a ton of places. Yeah, and but the it's the, the outside, of course, it's not the Cobra Kai dojo anymore. Right. That was a missed opportunity that somebody didn't just put a dojo right? in there. Because um, <laughs> I'd be going there. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it looks exactly the same. Now, the one in the new Cobra Kai is not the same location. I'm sure they had a much harder time getting that location this time around. But, sure. Uh, yeah, but it's. Awesome. It's a lot of fun. I'm so mm. glad that you're watching the show, Tara. Yeah. Wow, that was an exciting moment. It, made, it makes me want to like go out and punch my punching bag and like put on my karate gi, you know? Yeah. Wendy, like, you're gonna like level. it. It's it's you know, it's it's like nerd empowerment. It's like what if the eighties bully taught nerds how to defend themselves against wow. other other bullies? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's really good. It's, I, believe depth. I believe depth. I believe you. Depth. Yeah. It does have depth. <laughs> Wow. All right. So what else? What else are we watching? <laughs> Last night, Tara and I oh. watched Silence of the Lambs. Now, if anyone has listened to Tara talk on this show, uh, <laughs> you might have heard her before. No, people just like mute it whenever yeah, Tara If you didn't mute Tara's parts, you'll know that she does not like scary movies in any way, shape, or form. So how did this so, even happen? So we're Look, watching something. And well, I, no, no. She yeah. came over and we were going to like decorate. I have a lot of Halloween decorations for a party that I can't have, right? So we're going to decorate for Halloween. But then, of course, like it happens a lot. We end up just sitting on the couch watching sports. <laughs> eating. Eating, which then sure. led to like, meh, yeah. I'm too tired now. You want to just watch a movie or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was flipping around and it, Tara had gotten up to do something. And Silence of the Lambs was on Vice. So I put it on thinking <laughs> she's going to like, turn that off. And well, so, yeah, I told you to put on the Laker game because it was about to start. Oh, yeah. Well, I put it on Silence of the Lambs instead. So, <laughs> and so we were tone. watching the very, it was the very beginning. And so we were talking about it. And, oh, where does it get scary? It's like, oh, this is where it scared me. And I'm thinking, I'll just see how long Tara lasts. And so she's, so we kind of, and then so Tara started looking up saying, oh, it's on Netflix. We should just put it on there. I'm like, what, what, are you actually going to watch this thing? So then it was on. So then we put it on Netflix so it would be uninterrupted. And Smart. And we could fast forward through and it. That was the part, <laughs> which we did. Okay. Well, let me just say, let me just skip ahead and then I'll go back. At me, the end no, of no, the. No, no. Let me explain here. <laughs> I have seen parts of this film. I have seen the scariest parts of this film before, but not mm. in context, just okay. snippets, um, because I don't do scary films, right. especially the super stressed out, suspenseful ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I had seen some of these things before. Well, we got to the end of the movie. And uh, Tara's first words are, well, it wasn't that scary. And I said, oh, hold the phone back up. Number one, we're sitting in your living room with your cats and the lights on and it's on TV. And there were 
whatever a scene came up, like when when Starly meets Lecter, it's like, does he attack her? What's going to happen? I'm like, no. <laughs> she had to tell me before who was going to be okay and who wasn't. <laughs> Cat going to be okay? Is the dog going to be okay? Does that is he going to kill that guy? Animals. <laughs> does he kill that guy? No, that guy makes it. What's going to happen? So I'm telling her in every scene, pretty much. Oh, well, she's going into the the storage unit. Does something happen here? Nothing happens here. She's doing something. She's fine. She's safe. So every step of this movie, I'm making sure she knows. Nothing scary. Okay, You're relieving the tension. Gross. Yes. I'm still mad. I'm mad that you didn't tell me about the lamb part. And I listened to the lamb part. And one oh. of the, the lambs was died. Talking. It no, was it was terrible. terrible. You know, it's upsetting. Uh, that was traumatic, yes. But, the, you know, in the part like where she's trying to lure the little dog down to, to oh, get no. him to her. And, she, and, and he's I dancing around dog, and doing music and, and the whole scene where it's like you're going to the different house. Like Tara's making me for, fast forward through all that so we don't see the well, little dog. Even I'm like, it's an actor and no. the dog's fine, but she won't let me play that part. When she tries to get the dog to come down there, I get so stressed out when yes. I see animals in distress or if I think yeah. something bad's going to happen. Same. Yeah, so that was definitely a part, you know... <clears throat> And when he's like, she's just getting it as leverage. And I'm like, no, I don't want to see this dog down there being used. And you don't know if he's going to kill it. It's a leverage dog. I told you she was fine. I told her, told you. And you're like, look, even the the crazy guy loves the dog. Yeah. Um, I only, and then it did touch me at the end when she kept the dog like that. I told you it was fine. So, and she also, we had to fast through the whole End of the movie where Jody's chasing him through the basement <laughs> with Tara the night vision. To, Tara likes to offer her critique. I had film. seen, I have seen that part. Well, she's like, find the body in the bathroom. Up. Where's the oh, backup? Yeah. She's so stupid. And uh, <laughs> so she I had was. to. So we fast forwarded through pretty much all that when the lights are off. So when oh, it ends over and she's like, "Wasn't that scary?" I'm like, "Because I told you every <laughs> step of the way where the scary parts were, and we fast forwarded through two of them." So I don't want you to tell me this movie is scary when I said in a dark theater not knowing what was going to happen at any second and the, the whole movie cast this feeling of anything horrible could happen at any minute Dread. and i was shaking through the whole thing so i'm like don't you bring that not so scary up in me in my face so but anyway, but she so, made it through i was proud of her i can't believe she i watched made it, it through 90 percent. yeah <laughs> okay more than i Tara, ever thought she would I, do and i the other 10 percent i had seen Tara, I, did you I, like it did you like yeah, the parts that you well, saw that's why i What's kind of into it? I never seen the beginning. I never seen mm. anything about how she meets Le- Hannibal. I never seen. I've seen the parts where Hannibal ate the, uh, the guards or the police guys, um, yeah. and uh, and the part in the dungeon towards the end. So, uh, I had seen that enough to know that I was like, eh, maybe I don't know what the rest of the movie is maybe like. Not. <laughs> but <Right>. not, <laughs> as Amy would say, and uh, yeah. So, uh, I. But I was intrigued because we watched it from the beginning when she was like training. I didn't even know she was an FBI trainee. I thought hmm. she was in the FBI. I didn't know any of that. So I was interested in the story. Um, Got it. You know, I liked that part of it. I liked the, the Hannibal parts where, you know, um, his character. And uh, I felt, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad I watched it. I feel like a more well rounded person now. Oh, good. But I don't need to see the scary parts that I've already seen. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I applaud her. Uh, There's one more thing that we have watched in recent past that I wanted to have my little friend come up and tell you about. Her name is Florence Pugh. And the character (laughs) is Elena Elena Blova, however you say it. I had to get my own tiny Florence Pugh to say, hey, you should watch my other movie I did. Uh, She actually, her voice is like, you should watch my other movie. (laughs) Um, uh, Fighting for My Family, uh, a movie that my friend Lauren told me about. Fighting for My Family. Is it with or for? 
I thought it was, thought it was fighting with my family. Anyway, I'm just, uh, you can. It's a story. Uh, she plays a girl whose dream is to be a professional wrestler. Her family I didn't is a family. Realize of that was her. Yeah, did you see it? I, seen it. I remember the trailer, but and I never. Lena, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and other things, but it was. I had just watched. It. I didn't really realize what it was about, and then yeah. we watched it. I just was watching it for Florence and Lena. It was very good. It was a really fun movie. And I okay. did not know till the end it was based on an actual true story. So, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Uh, it. And it is fighting with my mm, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. She was fighting for her family. That's kind of a double oh, yeah. thing there. Uh, yeah, it was really funny. It was great. It got 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it just wasn't like a big, big release. And it's from the UK. Um, cool. But it was a really fun movie. And she was great. And we'll is she my British? Movie. Yeah, she is. Oh. She almost get, sounds to me kind of Scottish or something. Something's a little different with her accent. Interesting. And, yeah, hmm. yeah. Good to know. So I recommend if you're looking for a fun movie and want a little dose of Florence Pugh, check it out. Pew 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 pew. Um. Awesome. Okay. Great. I think we've given some good recommendations here. We've done some good work. <laughs> if you haven't seen Silence of the Lambs in the last twenty <laughs> years, uh, I would recommend it. You know, I think that movie should win the Oscar. <laughs> I think it did. Uh, moving on to some nerd news. Insert nerd news sound here. <laughs> news, guys. Uh, the big sci-fi epic movie Dune is coming out. The trailer just came out last week. Do we care about this movie? No. I feel like we should because it's it's very sci-fi. It's we like sh- I feel like sci-fi I snobs. Want to. Yeah. It's kind of a I sci-fi just snob don't movie. I feel a connection. I don't either. To it. I'll it, probably I'm not ruling it out. I just it, need to know more. I just Sure. Not I mean connected. Visually looks incredible. Great cast. Uh, everyone's favorite Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, Chalamet. It's <laughs> uh, oh. a, yeah. a hard one. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Dave Bautista, Zendaya. Who, by the way, she's five ten. Whoa, that's what Wikipedia says. I would have guessed she was five two. Mm-hmm. I'm checking the IMDb on that one. Yeah, uh, that um, seems wrong, but maybe Jason Jason Momoa. Like it, it has it checks all the boxes, but it, for some reason, I've not. I'm just not. Uh, it doesn't appeal to me. Let me stop you down real quick. Let's Probably. make sure we don't leave Rebecca Ferguson off that list. Rebecca Ferguson is in this I movie. I like Rebecca Ferguson. What has um, she done? How, why, well, how she was I in The Greatest her? Showman, but my I like her from the last two uh, Mission Impossibles. Oh, okay. Cool. She was Great. very cool in the last two Mission Impossibles. Um, looking up Zendaya. 5'8". Close enough. Interesting. Okay. Still taller still tall. than I thought. Yeah. Um, Good Lord. Um, Born in 1996. I'm like a grandma cool. up in here. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's supposed to come out uh, December 18th, 2020. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, but some people, I'm sure, will love this movie. And I, I saw know, the original. I'm... I don't even remember what it was about, the David Lynch yeah. original. Uh, I feel like, I hope it's really good because I love good sci-fi. It has, a, it has a look and a feel of a movie that could either be really good, really impactful, really, you know, uh, inspiring or what well, not inspiring, but just a spectacle, a good sci-fi, awesome spectacle movie. Yeah. Or it could be slow and plotting and boring and over dramatic, over full of itself. I don't know. It's hard to say from the trailer. So I'm going to give it a chance, but the trailer itself's not making me want to run out and see it. Yeah, I guess we'll see. To be continued. 
Well, we the reviews are in for some of them. For Ammonite, the new the upcoming Kate Winslet Sersha Ro- Ronan film, um, where they play lesbians. Um, <laughs> lovers. They are lovers. Uh yeah, so they're mixed. Um so just to, to sum up some of them, uh, it, I guess it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival this week. Right. So a lot of people were able to see it. It got, you know, three and a half stars on RogerEbert.com mm-hmm. out of four. Okay. okay. That's good. Um, and then it got a B minus mm-hmm. on another site. We're going to okay. go over why they felt the way they felt. Uh, and then it kind of timid reviews uh, on mm, another side really great tim t- tepid thank you timid <laughs> i'm scared you know why i say you. timid yeah <laughs> i'm too should i do it no okay uh, <laughs> uh, i say that because in the reviews they do mention it being a little timid and slow ah, and yeah. uh, one even directly mentions uh from da- uh, awards watch says comparisons will surely be drawn to portrait of a lady on fire which tackles similar themes mm. um but the film's most striking flaw lies in the script's inability to draw a believable convincing and more importantly engaging relationship between its two leads mm. so i'm very curious because okay we have roger ebert and we have um Another you know, one. It's not really Roger Ebert, Ebert doing it. He's dead. It's Roger <laughs> Ebert. From, I'm saying where it's from. It's his zombie. <laughs> uh, and then Awards Watch. You know, they were a little not not as taken by the film as yeah. um, Ro- the RogerEbert.com, whoever <laughs> that was. And I feel like Daily Beast and uh, maybe Awards Watch. They're looking at at it more because you have to look at it two ways. You either maybe are a queer person and you have some uh, experience to draw upon, sure. maybe. And then you have not a queer person and mm. you're not as exposed to things or, you know. Uh, and essentially they were saying um, the director, Lee, chooses to provide the film with a quiet, sometimes gloomy look and feel, perhaps a reflection mm. of the central character's own reality. But as the film progresses, this particular narrative tone does seem unfounded. Um mm sometimes unfounded and that's where he goes into the comparison of portrait lady on fire so True. uh maybe it's being judged a little differently um because as a queer person who once again the two major motion pictures featuring queer storyline this year have been depressing uh you know and then so the other article says it's like one of kate Winslet's best performances of the year she's gonna get all the awards mm-hmm. for this um, and then this one was like, man, I wasn't even that really engaged in the storyline. So as a queer person watching this movie, I might feel more similar to this. If sure. I, you know, it just depends, maybe not, maybe it would be flipped, but there are two ways of looking at it because it is for me frustrating that again, this is, you know, I'm so excited to say it's Ronan, uh, Kate Winslet, love them, love to see them together. Um, but then you hear that it's not even believable or engaging and it's just kind of like oh well that stinks so i guess we make up our own minds for sure but i wonder how much it suffers having portrait of a lady on fire to come out right yeah it is compared to that which was really good and as far as like if this had come out without the other one would it have been more oh this is different and it's this new but you know that that movie coming out already hurts it 
And so Daily Beast also mentions, like much of the movie, the scene takes place with no dialogue. Uh, as they're talking about, there is a very, what they call, um, intriguing sex scene. So mm-hmm. I'm intriguing. interested about that. Well, yeah. And they said, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one person called it uh, horny as hell, one of you, <laughs> and <laughs> noted how great it was. Again, I'm, I want to see this, judging yeah, myself. Um, and then you have, you know, one person says it's not engaging, it's not, and they didn't even mention the sex scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then these other two, of course, did mention the sex scene, the ones that enjoyed it more. I see. Interesting. Or felt that the, the characters were just amazing. Um, so, you know, it's, we'll see. I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes because I just, yeah, with having seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire, part of me feels like this is going to feel like a, a lesser than, uh, you know, remake of that. <laughs> like I'm going to be wanting yeah. more. Um, but we'll see. Um, let me see where, uh, I don't know. I lost it where he describes the sex scene in more detail, oh, but funny. you know, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, hopefully, and I feel like, for me anyways, like my standards are pretty low when it comes to this stuff because we don't really get a lot of it. <laughs> so when we do, it's like, I'm, I'm probably going to like it even if it's not the best, but why do we, you know, why haven't we seen a lot of modern lesbian romances? Mm-hmm. Like it's always got to be depressing on a gloomy beach wearing, you know, corsets. Like when will Hollywood feel more comfortable green lighting more modern queer lady romance dramas the uh the the christmas movie sure coming well, out yeah, but, i mean one. that's it that's yeah that hasn't even been out There's yet one. So nothing. uh yeah and it's a comedy and you know it's it's uh it's i think it was independently made right i think cleed of all yeah uh anyways i don't know i, I i'm that's why i'm really hoping uh, that one is really good and does really well like it becomes that fun heartwarming uh you know crowd-pleasing Christmas movie romance that just happens to have the two of them. Man, I hope so. Yeah. And then that could say, hey, this movie can work on some level. Let's do another one. Yeah. I mean, thank God for TV, right? Like, we're getting... It seems like there's a lot more uh, queer lady drama on TV. Yeah. Thank God for that. Or at least more diverse, you know. Let me read you another snippet of this from the Daily Beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about the love scene. Uh, so this is how they're describing the one of, I don't know, I don't know if there are multiple, one of the love mm-hmm. scenes that says there is nudity. So it says, for the record, the scene is cumbersome and passionate in a way that is true to two people figuring out their bodies and, per- and permission while sim- simultaneously sent out of control by desire. There's no, no <laughs> score behind it. Just the sound of waves crashing and their lips smacking as they kiss. The Uh. bed creaking as they reposition their bodies to make love. It's captivating, period. I'm a little scared. Okay. Like much of the movie, the scene takes place with no dialogue. Mary and Charlotte communicate almost silently. It makes Hmm. everything that much more intense. Hmm. You wonder what it must be like to be in the throes of love at a time when there is nothing to distract you from it. No phones. No one so curious to judge how overwhelming, but also beautiful. <laughs> we just have a freaking fun film. I'm just can see the look on Tara's face. <laughs> like, come on. I get it. But, like, 
Yeah. And it is just frustrating to two these two films, but back to back pretty much. And I loved Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And who knows? I might love this one, but it's yeah. still like god damn. It's and it's always about this big deal about being oh, this big thing that it's all surrounds you fine. It's like, no, we have other lives outside of when you know we feel oh, it's just frustrates <laughs> me. I can't I can't even put it into words. One day, this won't need to be a discussion. Yes, thank you. Exactly. That's what I'm going for. And you know that they're going to get so many questions about the sex scene during the yep. press junket. Like, that's all people are going to really want to talk about. Yep. Yeah. And the person that didn't like the movie or the did not really mention that sex scene at all. So they that okay. wasn't enough to compel them. Um, so... But- what about the dinosaurs? We're not paying attention to the right. dinosaurs in this movie. Maybe there just wasn't enough dinosaurs. <laughs> She's a fossil. She's a fossil, a fossil hunter. hunter. Oh, yeah, Maybe yeah, yeah. That's fossils. right. That's right. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> anyway. I'm not ruling it out. I'm not trying to be too judgy. See, I want to see a, a romance a like judgy. theirs, but set in a Jurassic Park world with Oh, my dinosaurs. God. That'd be awesome. Right. <sighs> That'd be so good. While they're running from the real dinosaurs. Well, we don't have up. to deal with all of their emotional baggage all at the same time. And that's all it is about. Well, like, and, you know, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the first, what, half hour, it's just them looking at each other. Right. And I love that movie. But it's yeah. like, you know, maybe they can, like, talk and go have fun at the beach. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I agree, Tara. Like, it's, 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 it's exhausting. It to be, like, a secret. Total, and I get it's, it's the movies. But there's like, hundreds of great movies that don't have to be about this. Uh, secret love affair that can't be that can't happen in these yeah. times it doesn't have to be i'm just and sick i'm get i'm guessing they don't end up together yeah that's again yeah i'm gonna <laughs> go ahead and guess unless they live their lives on this island or wherever she is yeah like, maybe no 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 All right. we'll see cool well another <laughs> movie news i can sum up this story real quick mm. wonder woman moved again to christmas day COVID sucks. The end. Okay. <laughs> and please don't don't think that I'm trying to say that that is why COVID sucks. It sucks in every possible way. And, it's just another It's a reason. horrible thing. But as far as entertainment goes and in that capacity, um, yeah, Wonder Woman moved again. Probably smart. Probably aren't. Uh, you know, they're probably looking at how Tenet's doing, which I think is doing decent. Um, but great. I think they want this to be a movie people can go enjoy and not have to worry about the repercussions of their going to the theater. Right. Not hoping... go there in fear. Yeah. yeah. And in their fun. masks. And, well, they'll probably still be going in masks in December, possibly, but it's, uh, they're, they want this to, to be opened in the right way. And they, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to push it back till they can do it correctly. So yeah, everything is, it's getting more interesting as far as things deciding when they're really going to come out, when they're not, mm-hmm. you know, you still got mm-hmm. Black Widow slated for November. We'll see if that stays there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was June 5th to August 14th to October 2nd and now Christmas. First it was March, right? Uh, well, this is, it was originally scheduled for June 5th. Oh, so okay. I hmm. think that was its first original date. Oh. It could be wrong. Unless this article's wrong, but yeah. Uh, so, you know. I could hear my friend scream all the way from North Carolina when she (laughs) (laughs) noticed. She was like, I'm going to the theater. If I have to drive to another state where they're open, I'm going to the theater. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah. And I never see movies on Christmas, but I'll go like the day after or something. Mm -hmm. I'll go, though. I'll go. Yeah, I wish there was more something more to say that, but there's not. It's just just annoying. To be continued. One of these days we will see Wonder Woman 1984. Um, We've got some Batwoman 
news. They have more casting in the Batwoman verse. Uh, British actress. I should have left this name to you, Kat. Shivani <laughs> Gai. Sounds right. I apologize to Shivani. Uh, <laughs> is going to play the character of Safaya. Uh, and this was Sophia. I couldn't remember. She was referred to last season. I couldn't remember who it was, but, uh, the Julia, who was a friend of Kate's or ex-lover of Kate's was trying to get that, that book that gave them the secret mm. to killing Batwoman. And she's the person that was, that had hired her to get that book. Nice. And oh. then when Julia found out it was a, basically a, a, a way to kill Batwoman, she decided not to give it to her. Mm. Um, so she's been out there in the, the Batwoman verse, um, Referred to, but not seen. And now we're going to see her. Cool. Uh, to no one's surprise, she's attractive. <laughs> um, oh. oh, okay. So I'll be curious to see. I feel like, is she going to be a straight villain? Or is she going to, not right. straight, like, orientation, but like just right. straight up villain? Or is she going to be a villain that then starts flirting with some of them? You know? <laughs> right. Like she's not <laughs> all bad. To someone, uh, you know? Right. Or she might just be straight up bad bad to the bone they have to take her out you know we'll see we'll see uh we'll see where it goes seeing how alice plays into it too right all right uh it looks like she's sort of doing she's a protective ruler of a small community on the island of koreana uh Mm. okay a woman with as many enemies as aliases so it sounds like she might be protecting her people protecting this island and doing what she feels like she needs to do i feel like you know to protect perhaps batman wrong them in some way could so be oh, could be no? so it might work okay. out that she becomes a friend and uh, not an enemy but that's to be seen um or that friend you know what i mean or more than a friend that's always a possibility uh but speaking of batwoman i also did watch and i believe cat also watched the panel uh for batwoman yesterday at the fandom and i i feel bad i haven't watched as much fandom as i did the first time but i've been busy mm-hmm. and but i did watch batwoman and they mm-hmm. introduced Javicia to the rest. They kind of like, hey, here's your new cast member. Everybody meet her. We're, we're figuring they had to have met her before. Or at least yeah, talked to weird. her. They're asking her questions like, do you like tea or coffee? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but they favorite had, color. She, you know, I, I'm really interested to see how she is. Uh, she made it sound like Ryan Wilder, the character, when she read it, she's like, this is me. This is me. Mm-hmm. And then even the producer said within five seconds of her audition, she's like, that's the one. Um, gotta hire her. She is Ryan Wilder. Uh, you know, she's gorgeous. She has a very, very positive, upbeat so- seeming attitude as far as embracing everything that comes along with this part, the character, uh, what it represents. Um, and, you know, seems like someone who's going to be great. I hope I hope it all goes well. I hope she has great chemistry with the cast. Uh, it sounds interesting. They they never said Ruby's name, but they did mention Kate and how the mystery of where Kate went will be a big driving force. And then. Yeah. Also, how how Ruby will kind of interact, and I don't think they really got into where she comes from, like how she gets into the mix. Oh, uh, Ryan, you mean Ryan? Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she gets tangled up right. with everybody. And they all uh, the, the woman that plays Mary talked about she had a relationship with Alice, but there was that buffer of Kate between them in her interactions. Mm-hmm. And now that Kate's gone, where will it lead? And uh, and I guess people are shipping her. And uh, what was his name? The plays the attendant. Uh, assistant cameras. Luke. Yeah, people plays, are shipping right? him and Mary. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. They're cute though. I like them. No, like, they're smart yeah. people. They need to be together. <laughs> uh, so they sound like they have, they're going to deal with a lot of her character, Ryan Wilder, becoming Batwoman as far as fighting for people who the system 
it, it doesn't work for, you know, mm-hmm. people who've suffered injustice in whatever form. And uh, she said, I'll go beat up some comic book villains, but, you know, kick ass over here and then save a kitten or help the homeless over here. You know, she's trying to be a Batwoman to just help make things better. And how she came from a life with no privilege, no, you know, maybe financial means, whatever background she's from, as opposed to Kate, who came from a wealthy right. family and groomed and went to the mili- military or wherever she went and was kind of groomed for this. And this girl's just out of nowhere, like, all right, let's, uh, she's going to be a whole different take on, on Batwoman. So it'd be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same. It's like, it's going to feel probably like a whole new show in that chemistries will be different. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think this will kind of reinvigorate uh, the show a little bit. I think so. I think it'll give people a reason to check it out that might not have wanted to watch Ruby or didn't like her or thought she wasn't the right choice. Maybe they'll check it out now. And if they did like her, uh, then maybe hopefully this this other new hire, this new cast member will yeah. convince them to stick around. Yeah. So, so I always said oh, it was a show that... You know, hmm? no, go ahead. No, I was just saying it. It's one that I liked, but I didn't love. But the, it mm-hmm. always kept me like it. It was. It always went in ways that I didn't expect it to always go, mm-hmm. and it surprised me. And I like some of the choices they made. So yeah, I'll be back season two. It sounds like January is when we should expect to see uh, them back on mm-hmm. TV. Yeah. So, cool. speaking of television, Mandalorian right. season two, we got a first look at some of the uh, production stills. Yeah. It's gonna. It's another eight episode season. It's gonna start October thirtieth on Disney Plus, and it looks like everybody's back that we kind of got to know last season, um, including Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. There's a Tuscan Raider on a Bantha, which is kind of cool. I love that. And uh, yeah, so it looks like um, it should be fun. I love you know, obviously love the show. We love talking about it. One 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 bit of a bummer is that if you if you enjoy the the character of Cara Dune, which I think we all do, uh, do yourself a favor. Do not Google <laughs> any of the personal views of the actress who plays her, Gina Carano. You will be disappointed. I was very surprised. <laughs> I was very surprised. Yeah, her, she just has uh, her political views don't exactly mesh with with those of the snop. Um, so I'm going to continue to enjoy her character. I'm, I'm going to unfollow her on Twitter and try to avoid anything that comes out of her mouth. <laughs> wow. He said that so nonchalantly and <laughs> so firmly. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not going to stop watching the show, mm. uh, but it's, it's kind of, you know, listen, this, this happens all the time, right? Like people that yeah. we love do stoops, do and say some stupid shit on Don't social media. Your heroes, you know? Yeah. So it's an, an, another one of those cases. So that's a bummer. But guys, Baby Yoda. Yay. Yay. Yeah. You can do no wrong. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's still, you know, I, and some people, you know, they, uh, something like Gina's situation will make them not want to watch the show. I mean, she's not even, I don't even know how much of a regular cast member she did. She wasn't in every episode last season. And I don't know how True. many she's in this season. Um, but yeah, there's a, you know, I, I'd hate to think of, I'm not watching this show at all because of her when there's, She's what point one percent of yeah. all the people that put their effort and their time and their talents into something like this. That you know, she might be the only one with those views, and I'm not, you know, yeah. Um, but you know, it's people have all sorts of random, random viewpoints, and yeah, it happens. Uh, but yeah, I'll be watching Mando for sure. 
when he comes back, which is, yeah, it is disappointing. I really liked her character and I liked yeah. that they cast her and I liked what she brought to the show. So I, yeah. I had no idea what she was like in real life. Yeah. She seemed really sweet in the documentary. <laughs> she might be sweet. She just has viewpoints that, right. That no, are different. Be than, both. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Just, no, I mean, she's a, you know, she gave a good interview in the documentary, but yeah. So, I don't think we'll be having her on the podcast. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say let's hop in the truck to go to Purgatory, but there's really, it's a quick trip. I'm, we're not even going to play a yeah. little intro music because it's, uh, Winona Earp has officially finished shooting season four and that's literally all we have to say, except that don't know about season five yet. Still up in the air and, um, you know, we might not know until, uh, the second half of season four airs. We have no idea. Yep. So make sure to watch it. Yes. In 2021 sometime. Yeah, sometime. Okay, on to more exciting and, and positive things. <laughs> on that bummer note. Yes, let's turn the corner. We are celebrating Xena Warrior Princess turning 25 this month. And we got to talk to Adrian Wilkinson. And uh, she is delightful. Charming, mm. charming person. Did you know that Xena can now rent a car since it's 25? <laughs> on her own. That's true. Congratulations, Xena. <laughs> She might not have an accomplishment. To all she does how to do is ride horses, but that's fair. Um, yeah, you know, she can pick it up. She's Zena. <laughs> she has skills. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, here's Adrian. Well, we're very excited to be joined by our guest today. She's part of some of the biggest franchises in all of nerddom with her roles in the Star Trek and Star Wars universes. But she will forever hold a very special place in every Zenite's heart for her portrayal of Livia and Eve in Xena Warrior Princess, not to mention all the incredible charity work she does. Welcome to the show, Adrienne Wilkinson. Ooh, hey. Hey. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Welcome. I would like to take you with me everywhere to introduce me <laughs> as I walk into a room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm available. Let me know. Uh, so, Adrienne, we all month long, we've been celebrating the 25th anniversary of Xena Warrior Princess. We're all big Xenites. That's how we met. That's why this podcast exists, essentially. Also proof that you're geniuses. <laughs> we are making such a good impression on Adrian. Guys. Um, so if you don't mind, we're gonna we're gonna jump into some Xena some Xena questions, if that's okay. Oh, I'd be disappointed if you didn't. Come on. <laughs> so, what did you know of the show before you got hired? Uh, it was certainly a cultural phenom already. Um, uh, I entered in the fifth season, so it had been a long running hit around the world, but. Honestly, I had never seen an episode. I had seen clips here and there. Uh, I was certainly familiar with the imagery of the show and particularly Zena and Gabrielle, but I didn't know the specifics, which I think was a real blessing because, you know, it's sort of this, I, don't, I was about to say little known fact, but it might be very well known that often when you really want something, when it's your favorite show, your favorite fill in the blank your nerves are really high and you don't give as good of a performance because you're thinking about all the other stuff that's so important to you. So I think it was really a blessing for me that I wasn't super aware of the show or was not yet a fan of the show so that I didn't bring that with me into the room. I wasn't nervous. I was just trying to remember my lines and, you know, <laughs> not trip over my shoes. So, <laughs> so but when you were hired, uh, were you nervous joining such a big hit? I was so young that I think I really had the ignorance is bliss quality of 
just being so incredibly excited. I mean, it was the first time I had ever worked overseas. I think it might've actually been the first time I'd ever been overseas, Mm -hmm. uh, certainly close to it. Um, I was just so thrilled for the adventure and it just sort of felt like, of course, it just, it just felt lovely. And, um, you know, I, I of course had absolutely no idea what I was getting into in terms of how extraordinary a production it was, how much would be asked of me, particularly the first two episodes, because, Mm. you know, Lucy Lawless was still breastfeeding and was, you know, still, they were doing all that they could to keep her hours as minimal as possible because she had just given birth not long ago. And, you know, so it was a very interesting, the first two episodes I did were so heavy on my character that I honestly, and this is a blessing now, but it didn't even occur to me to be nervous or hesitant or whatever, strictly because I didn't have time. I was <laughs> so busy. I mean, you know, I literally, the plane landed about 5 a.m. They picked me up at the airport, took me to the hotel to drop off my bags, and I went straight to work. Oh my and, God. Yeah. Like it was just immediately throwing me into the fire and it was costume fittings. It was hair and makeup tests. It was learning how to ride a horse on camera. It was learning how to deal with fire. It was learning how to <laughs> hold a sword. And so every single second that I wasn't just learning my bearings of like, wait, where is the office and <laughs> your name, you know, just all of those things. Plus of course, jet lag and just craziness on top of that. But it was just beyond all of the work hours, every second of my life was trying to support me being able to do those work hours. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. the first two weeks I was there, there's this, I'm kind of getting long-winded with this, but I think it's worth telling. There's this story that I mentioned sometimes where it was one of those first two weeks and you're staying, I'm staying at a hotel and they have a a PA, a driver that picks us up every day because of course, you know, it's driving on the opposite side of the road. And I was too young even to have a rental car at that point. So they would pick us up every day and take us to and from set. And I was so exhausted. And the driver, he drops me off at the hotel. He's like, Hey, I'll see you in the morning. I was like, cool. Go up to my room, turn on the shower, sit down. I'm fully, fully dressed. I even have my tennis shoes on. I sit down on the bed and while I'm waiting for the shower to warm up, I just lay back on the bed. My feet are on the floor. I'm just leaning back on the bed. And a couple of minutes later, the phone rings. And so I reach over and, you know, I'm I'm like, Hey, and he's like, Hey, it's interestingly, his name was Sparrow. He's like, Hey, it's Sparrow. Where are you? And I was like, what are you talking about? And it was the next morning (laughs) and I had fallen asleep with my shoes on my feet on the floor. I was in the exact same position. And I thought, you know, two or three minutes had passed and it had been the entire night. And, you know, it was that level of exhaustion where I was just, just look at the task in front of me. So I should have been Mm. far more daunted than I was, but it's not because I was some superhero. It's just that I didn't have time. (laughs) (laughs) When you finally, when you finally got a break, I guess, in filming after like the initial rush, or did you have a break until the end of season five or were you just pretty much going till the end or did you have time to stop and actually enjoy being in this new country and this beautiful place? And, or did you even get a chance? 
Um, I really didn't get a chance. We filmed all of the season five episodes back to back. And then there was a, I think a month long break. It was a very short break between five and six, between seasons five and six, because Xena shoot, Xena used to shoot at least when I was on it in a way different than most shows. Like most shows will essentially shoot for nine months with three months off. Mm-hmm. But Xena would shoot for three months, month off, three months, month off, hmm. because they had to catch up with all of their post-production. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they they managed it. And um, yeah, so I, I eventually did have a little bit of downtime. I would always split my airline ticket and bring a family member with me or something. And, and I, I did do a little sightseeing, but I mean work is what was sightseeing because, you know, they had all of these extraordinary (laughs) locations and places I would never have found with a tourist guide or something. So, yeah. And then Lucy's mentioned she hates dance and she hates sports (laughs) and she hates all the physical things. (laughs) At least the fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And the fighting. Uh, Were you into the fighting at all? I It was something brand new for you. And uh, did you enjoy it or did you uh, Um, not so much? I'm glad it's over. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a little bit of both because it's tremendously exhausting and you can't do it halfway. So, I mean, you really have to be prepared to know what that obligation is. And of course, I had no clue. I'd never done it before. I was excited for the idea of it because I thought the character was so amazing. I have a dancer's background. I had grown up as a dancer. So in good news, I pick up choreography quite quickly in bad news, I want to make everything look like ballet. (laughs) So (laughs) it definitely took me a few days to have the right attitude about it. And really, um, you know, uh, Zoe Bell was Lucy Lawless's stunt double at that time. And so all of my fight scenes that were with Lucy were, of course, actually with Zoe. Mm -hmm. And there was one day when we were, you know, she had so many fights to learn and was doing so much stuff. And there was one day where she misremembered a particular move and ended up hitting me with the sword. Oh, and I mean, it's a plastic sword. This yeah. is not some crazy <laughs> still, thing. But, but yes, still. But it was actually such an amazing thing that happened because it changed everything for me. Because the the reason the first day or two, I was really bad at fighting, and I could hit all my marks, but I just didn't have the right. There was just something missing. And what I realized is that when, when I got hit with that sword and I was totally fine, I mean, I had a massive (laughs) bruise that was pretty amazing, but I was fine. Right. Totally fine. And it was such a great lesson because up until that point, I realized what was happening is that I was really scared. I was going to hurt somebody. And once I realized that like, wait, even if I mess up, you know, this isn't a real sword. I'm not actually going to end someone's (laughs) life. It just sort of gave me more freedom to really commit. And just to sort of get rid of that worry, which made me able to really, you know, sort of up my game a bit, which was great. Yeah, I'm sure even seeing that the stunt people that do it all the time, they mess up, obviously. <laughs> like she didn't remember something correctly and hit you. So, well, you it, that also helped. I mean, it definitely took a bit of the pressure off because yeah. I am a bit of a perfectionist and just, I hate, you know, flubbing a line or something. It just infuriates me. <laughs> but but yes, you're right. When you're on a real set, you know, stuff like that just happens and you stop getting in your head about it. You're like, oh, well, that happened. Now we do this mm-hmm. to fix it. And it was just, it was a, a, a really great set to be on because it was everything I had hoped and expected a set to be, which is great people doing their best, working together as a team, 
And certainly, I mean, I've certainly learned since then, that's not the way that every set functions, but it's the mm-hmm. way that they should. And it's definitely the way that that particular set functioned every day. Yeah, I was thinking, I feel like if if one of your earlier roles in your career is on a set like Xena, where it is such, it's from everything everybody said, it was such a very uh, friendly set and everybody worked together and Kiwis everywhere. I mean, you yes. can't go wrong when you're filled with Kiwis in New Zealand, <laughs> but it, it almost spoils you. Like when, you know, further in your career, like you get on sets that aren't quite like that. And hopefully most are close to that, but it feels like, you know, you always think like, man, Xena set the bar so high for every other exper- acting experience and set oh, experience. without a doubt. I mean, hmm. without a doubt, it is to this day, the best adventure I've ever had. Yeah. And I've worked on beautiful things that I love with all my heart, but they were not the same level of extraordinary that Xena was. There was mm-hmm. just something really particularly special about the level of craftsmanship that they worked with, the level of fun that they had, the level of leadership that they had. It Because it's, you know, the other thing is that Xena is one of the most difficult shows that I've been on in terms of difficulty of filming. It was you know, most episodes were about eight days of shooting and at least five of those were outdoors. Mm-hmm. You're on an Island. So every day you're dealing with rain, <laughs> you know, even if it's just for 20 minutes, it's just this constantly changing thing that instead of everybody freaking out about, they learn to be very fluid about. And, you know, it's just, it's a more exhausting show than almost any, because you're outdoors all the time. There are fight, fight scenes involved. There were hundreds of extras, these massive, yeah. just, epic scenes. And yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say it better than you did. They set the bar really high. So Adrian, you've told the story before that you found out that your character, Livia, was actually Zena's daughter on the plane to New Zealand when you were reading that first script. Yes. Did that change when you found, okay, first of all, when you found that out, were you just like looking around the plane like, guys, <laughs> I'm Zena's daughter? Like that would have been such a cool moment to, but if you were by yourself, not, not quite as fun, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I was going to have a bit of a moment of panic, that would have been it. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I mean, certainly amazing. Absolutely cool. And it solved a mystery for me because when I was initially reading for this role, it was just for the, uh, you know, for the enemy of Xena, essentially. It was just, you know, her arch enemy at that moment in the story. And I just kept thinking it was so strange that they would cast me because I looked similar to her, (laughs) which is generally not what they do. You know, usually if you have a brunette, they cast a blonde or whatever, so that there's a real definition between the two. So suddenly all of that made sense. I was like, oh, now I get it. (laughs) But I mean, again, I think I was already so excited, but also kind of so overwhelmed that Mm. this was just, you know, just another thing on top of that, just like, oh, okay. And I I luckily also didn't truly understand the gravitas of what that meant within the fan community. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that hanging over me at that moment. I was really, again, ignorance is bliss. There was apparently a lot of that in my life at that time. (laughs) (laughs) And but finding out that Livia was Zena's daughter, did that change the way you approached that character? Oh, completely, completely to the horror of my own mother. (laughs) 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 Because you understood her anger at such a different level. I mean, it's one thing to have an enemy because you're on different sides of a cause or different sides of culture or whatever, you know, different sides of a war. There's a logic to it. But when you're talking about 
you know, essentially this sort of transgenerational trauma, that's a completely different place that you're coming from that is so much more emotional and doesn't necessarily have any logic behind it and yet makes you commit to it that much more. So, you know, I joke about the thing. I joke about it, but my mom actually watched the episodes and she was like, I can tell you're just so mad at me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and, and clearly, clearly she was reading things in there that weren't there, but it was just <laughs> hilarious because she really felt the mother daughter thing and that mm-hmm. strife and that conflict. And, you know, luckily I've never pillaged villages because I was <laughs> mad at my mom, but but it is just interesting how it added this other level of personal betrayal, mm-hmm. whether the story you create behind it is legitimate or not. It's what that child feels. Mm-hmm. So there is this rage in their body that they don't know what to do with that is so activated by anything that that parent does because there's nothing they can do that's going to seem big enough to make it better. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it's a war that Lucy couldn't win, not meaning fighting skills, but meaning emotions at that moment, because my character was not going to give an inch. And, you know, it took religious epiphany to create that inch. And, mm. and even that makes sense to me. I mean, it took something that big to be able to, uh, to be something she could actually hear. I'm curious, whenever you got there and you were meeting Lucy and Renee and everybody for the first time, and you were in the character of Livia at first, did your relationship with them off screen change as sort of Livia turned into Eve and her relationship with her mother changed? Or was it completely just, hey, we're having fun. We go to this thing. Or was there, or I guess it could have changed the more you got to know them too. Like the more time you spent on set, I imagine that would make the transition from like, I hate this lady as my mother too. <laughs> okay, we get along as you get to know them as people off screen as well. Well, the great thing is that myself and Lucy. And Renee too, I believe. Um, none of us are method actors, That's, so yeah. <laughs> we don't bring any of that. I yeah. don't want to say something not nice, but we just don't. Yeah. That's not the way that we operate. Um, I think Lucy. I think everybody, for that matter. You know, when you hire someone new, you don't know what you're getting. You you know them from the audition room. You have a lot of hopes, mm-hmm. but you know, there's always the possibility you accidentally hired a nightmare. And <laughs> yeah. you know, I think. The great thing is that, I mean, in my opinion, the three of us got along like gangbusters from the first second, and I love them to this day and think they're extraordinary. And we could be having coffee right now and it would be just as yummy. And it's all because we come from sort of the same place of, we respect the work completely, commit to it completely, but we don't let it overtake our lives. So, I mean, you know, like this was way back in the, oh my God, I just dated myself. I realized what I was about to say and it totally scared me. I was about to say, like, I was, I was about to say I was sharing, um, like playlists with Lucy, but it was even, it was like a (laughs) mixtape. So bad. But I mean, like we would, we would compare, you know, just what was going on in our lives. And, you know, she really I don't know if she knew many people from the Midwest, but that's where I'm from. And she just dug my vibe. She felt it was Hmm. very Kiwi in terms of (laughs) that. There was just that same sort of thing where I'm so eager to solve problems. I will do whatever Mm -hmm. you ask me to do as long as I feel safe. And that was a set where I always felt safe. So there was nothing that they could ask me to do that I wouldn't do. So 
step into this burning building, be dragged behind this four <laughs> by four, do this. And the fact that I was not complaining, but really excited to do it, knowing mm-hmm. that I was safe, I was just such a, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be the one to say this. It sounds egotistical, but I just really think that I showed up from the word go as a team player and they really appreciated that. And so we had a very great sort of ping pong between us because we all knew we could count on each other. You know, we were actively all trying to make it as good as it could be and also as effortless as it could be. You know, we weren't, you know, I don't need 17 takes because I just feel like I want to do something different. It was, I know that we got it. I'm going to trust it and we can Mm -hmm. move on. You know, it was that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. At least that's how I feel about it. That sounds wonderful. Like that sounds like it's nice when when like you said you bring someone on, you don't know what you're getting and they get someone who shares their work ethic and their commitment to do it, do it well, but also not take it home with you and can right. have a friendship offset. So um and yeah. and having Lucy and Renee as number 1 and number 2 on that call sheet, you know, we've heard everyone that that has ever sort of been on that set has has always said it started at the top and Lucy kind of set the tone of like Come on, guys, let's just get through it. She always seemed like she was a good leader on set and Renee as well. So what, you know, because you were, you know, younger as one of your first big jobs. What what have you taken with you from those from seeing Lucy and Renee being leaders on set? What what have you taken with you uh, through your career? Well, what was great about it, and you're right about all of that, but what was really great about it is 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 that it is exactly what I had hoped it would be and expected it to be. And it, they just, it like at the time, I don't think I realized how lucky I was because to me, it was just like, oh, you have this dream job, you show up and you do it and enjoy it. Like to me, that's so logical. And it's only when you have experiences that aren't that, that you realize that it can be really rare. So for me, it was just the sigh of relief of like, oh, acting is what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know, it's really bad. And then- I mean, I certainly have taken that with me. I mean, I have so little patience for people that don't feel that way about the job, for people that are making problems or making it difficult for everyone. I just have really no tolerance for that. And I work every, I mean, I every, every second time in any room, I feel like my job is to be working to collaborate with everybody in the best way possible. So, you know, there is, I don't care who's the star of something. If extra number 13 is terrible, they're going to screw up that whole scene. Like everybody (laughs) legitimately is important in these things. And it's, Mm. even if you're the star, you're not, you know, it isn't really revolving around you in the way that people might think because it just takes a village there are hundreds of people that it takes to do most productions. So while the person getting the most screen time might have the most attention, they aren't fully responsible. And I think the disconnect comes when people want to take all the responsibility and or don't feel that they're getting enough accolades or something about it. And so they have sort of a chip on their shoulder. And it was just so beautiful to work on a series where that never, ever entered the picture. So it set a great example. It made me know that it's possible. You had always, I'd always feared these stories of like, oh, you have to be a prima donna to be respected. And I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) 
but you see people that assume that's true and they try to make it happen that way. And that's just luckily because I would lose my mind if I lived that way. That's just never jived with me. That's just never been something that felt comfortable. And Mm. in fact, I find it incredibly embarrassing. So knowing that sets really can work that way. And to be honest, it's also the idea that the more professional a set that I have been on, the more community it is, the more the artistry is respected, the more collaborative it is. It's like, I love being on big, intense productions and they'll just, they'll literally say, guys, we don't know what's, how to solve this problem. Does anybody have any ideas? And the fact that they will take ideas from anybody knowing that it's valid, that it doesn't have to be just the director who comes up with this, but that if you can have an, an ego that is open enough to including others, that that actually makes you so much more of a badass. So, you know, I just, I love seeing that happen. And I, I certainly see it happen more often than not, which is great. Do you feel like you were prepared for the, the fandom that came along with Xena as far as the, the fans and how, like you said, how big the show was. And I'm not sure when your first convention was, but uh, do you remember the first time you had interaction with the Xena fans or have, you know, had you been recognized before? Or was it when you went to that first convention, you really understood the fandom? Uh, I definitely didn't know what I was getting in, in for just because I had no <laughs> reference point. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, the, my first convention, I think was between seasons five and six. It was really, really close right after I was hired essentially. And I did two conventions back to back. I did one, I think in New Jersey. And then like the next weekend I did one in London and there's no, I'm going to, Oh my God. I, every time I remember this story, it brings me such joy. It's so ridiculous. Um, so this was so long ago that this was back when if someone was picking you up from, from the airport, they could actually meet you at the gate. They could go all the way to the gate to meet you. And I got off the plane. I'm walking off the plane. <laughs> I, I walk, I'm down, walking down the jetway and I walk into the airport and there's my name on a card that's being held by a woman dressed as Xena warrior princess <laughs> and a guy that is dressed as Archangel Michael or no Cupid. I think Cupid full costume. Full, and I was like, Oh God, that's for me. <laughs> like, like, I just, it was so, I just did not understand how many pieces and parts there were to it. And the pride that, that existed in, I mean, like, it made sense to me that at the convention, you would wear a costume for a costume contest. It had never occurred to me <laughs> that you would pick someone. Up the airport. <laughs> and especially because I really, I honestly think that they did it to make me feel special. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just and you did. Oh, I definitely <laughs> felt special. I certainly felt noticed. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. That's commitment right there. So it was, yeah. It was really interesting. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the beautiful part is that, you get on stage and you learn within seconds how important this show is to people and how you lucky you are to be a piece of it. It's clear in the passion people have, have for it, the love they have for it, the space they have made in their lives for it. It just really blew me away because I hadn't had that experience personally, not on either side of it. I had never had 
an experience where I would put that much energy into a show, even though I certainly had things that I loved. So it was really extraordinary to see because it was bigger than I even knew to experience, if that makes sense. I imagine bigger than anyone would have ever expected. I mean, there are a lot of really fine shows that have a lot of success, but Xena was one that just was on a whole nother level as far as, you know, there are people like, like she said, the three of us are here. We know each other because of it. And the conventions were things that I know for myself. And I think Tara also, uh, like we didn't live in LA where they were having a lot of the concert, uh, con- conventions, but just that whole feeling of, I don't know why, but I need to go there. Like I need to go <laughs> yeah. meet these people. And I'm not the type to go places to just meet people. I don't know by myself, but yet I was like, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. And (laughs) I think a lot of people had that same experience that, that there's just something about the community and about the show and meeting other people that loved it, that made you fly across the country to be a part of this. That's the word community. I mean, that really, it, it was something that I didn't understand until I saw that many fans packed into one room (laughs) with such similar goals, meaning like the greater good and such willingness to have adventure and to be, you know, just shining with your love of something, you know, just not censoring at all was really, it was just, it was cool to see. It was really lovely. Now you, uh, since there's not a convention every year anymore, you've still been involved with the Z night retreat, uh, that our friend Penny <laughs> organizes every year. Um, and we know you're very involved in, in charity and actually last year, uh, Wendy and I went to the Z night retreat and was yes. <laughs> after our podcast. Um, and uh, so we were just observing and we observed your, your charity auction and everything kind of the, yeah, it was really fun. And it was really nice to see you getting involved and, and, you know, you're out there and you are talking with the fans and, you know, you, it, you're just, you're completely there. You're com- completely immersed. And it was just really nice to see. Well, the Zenite Retreat is something very special, and it's purely in existence because of the Zenite community. I mean, it, it's, you know, the it sort of circles around the show as a theme, but it's really about the community of fans and what they have created themselves. And it's, it's I mean, I think they're sold out for the next year, but for yeah. anybody who has not had the chance, it's something that I recommend to anybody. It's this beautiful weekend of community and empowerment and joy and fun. I mean, last year when I was there, I think four couples got engaged. Oh my. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's that kind of thing where people are just like, oh, I'm going to live my best life and it's going to start right now. And it's, you know, it's this beautiful thing where, yes, I, I do a charity event almost every year and it's only possible because of the Zenite community. I mean, I have lots of fan base. I have fan bases that reach different fandoms, but the charity angle really works because of the specifics of the Zenite community and their commitment to the greater good. And, you know, it's just this beautiful collaboration that I'm really lucky to be part of. Yeah, that was our first experience with the retreat. And we were just there for the day and uh, we watched the, the board cutting i guess where they slammed the board yeah. and it was such i got weepy i have to say yeah. i got weepy and it, they were put i guess think they write things that they want to yeah, break through the, in their own lives or exactly. things that are that are bothering them and they it was like the most supportive mm-hmm. environment they were bringing people up that you look like you know i don't know if they can ever break a board but they've got the chance that you know the cheering behind <laughs> them and everybody's support and they all break those boards and they take them and um 
and we were only there for the afternoon, but we were all committed. We were going this year. And of course, no one went this year, but um, <laughs> we were so excited to go for the first time now that um, I hadn't been able to go in years past, but Penny's a dear friend. And, and it, I was so excited to get out and see her retreat this, this year and be a part of all that that you've gotten to experience um, in the past, but sadly it was not meant to be. Cause it's a wonderful experience yeah. for the charity, for your charity and just the, yeah. the community of the Zenites that go. And the yes, ambiance, it, it I mean. surprises me every year. And you're right. It's the, it's the atmosphere that's there. Cause it's, it's something I have a really hard time describing to people who've never experienced it because it can seem a little silly. It's kind of like summer mm-hmm. camp for grownups. And yeah. <laughs> yes, it's about this TV show that hasn't been around for, you know, it, there's all of these things that sort of make it, make you cock your head and think like, really? Yeah. But then you're there and it's such a beautiful supportive weekend where everybody is just their best selves trying to grow. And it's really gorgeous. Yeah. I felt, I left there feeling like I could, I could do anything really. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> I want to bring a board. The board. <laughs> I wasn't was awesome. able to go last year with uh, my co-host, but I'd been a couple of years ago. And one thing I noticed was, you know, I, I've been going to conventions since almost the very beginning. So you, you kind of get to know the, the usual faces. But what I thought was so cool is that there were people there I had never seen before. They're probably in diapers when I was going to conventions <laughs> the first time. It's so cool to see that this show, uh, as we like to say here, has longevity. Like yes. it continues. <laughs> it's the longevity. <laughs> it is. It's important. People find it and they love it. And this the same vibe that I got at conventions 10, 15 years ago it's that same vibe at Zenite Retreat, and it has everything to do with the Zenites. Adrian, you're absolutely right. And also Penny. I mean, it kind of starts at the oh, top yeah. with her, you know? Yeah, you can't give enough credit to Penny for sure. But it is surprising in the most beautiful way. I mean, I think last year, more than a third of the attendees, that was their first convention experience. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it really shocks me in a great way that not only does the show live on, but the level of enthusiasm hasn't diminished the the fans that are brand new to it are as enthusiastic as the people who watched it when it aired the first time mm-hmm. so. do you break yeah. a board adrian i can't remember. i have not because oh. i'm sort of i'm i you know what and i'm actually maybe going to request that i do that next year because i get assigned to different events so i've uh. never been assigned to that event but i now think hmm <laughs> <Good> <laughs> <one>. <laughs> if you don't mind i i want to go back into the show a little bit i have, I have a um Eve Livia question for you. Bring it. Um, so as the actress who portrayed those characters, do you see them as two separate characters in your mind or are they the same person in just different phases of their, of their lives? I mean, the answer is kind of both because they could, they're just, they're literal polar opposites. They're like negatives of one another. And it was a hard transition for me because I didn't know that was going to happen. So I found out, when I got the script for the third episode from the third episode that I was in that I would be having this transition of going from warrior to peacemaker and just sort of having a bit of an identity crisis in a sense, and certainly Mm -hmm. a crisis of conscience. And I was not prepared for it mostly because I had finally become really great (laughs) at fighting and I really (laughs) liked it. And just everything about Livia, even though she was a maniac, she was also just so delightfully empowered and, 
you know, just whatever she wanted to do, she did. And that's such a yummy set of emotions to be experiencing and playing and where Eve was the opposite. I mean, she was, you know, she was like a baby deer that's, you know, just (laughs) shakily trying to stand up on her legs. And, and it was certainly not as fun. And of course she also came with all of the emotional baggage that Livia had just channeled into anger And Eve was actually someone looking more deeply at it. And I very much respected the story. I thought the the storyline was beautiful, but it was definitely not as fun to play. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out a way for me to kind of hook into it that made sense because it was such a jarring change that it was really hard for me to find my feet with it. And I ended up clinging to the idea that essentially it was like Eve was an addict and Livia was her addict self Mm. so that when she actually came back to her true self, she was suddenly so scared, you know, you know, looking at violence as though it was like the gateway to who she had been that she no longer wanted to be. So to me, that's why she was so, you know, because she was so, Livia was so smart and skilled and conniving and all of that. And it almost felt for a while like Eve was not as smart. And and I know the fans would get so frustrated with it, but I had to come up with a way that worked for me. And what worked for me was just the level of fear she had about opening that door, even an inch that would drag her back down to the person she no longer wanted mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was very, I had to find a reason. And that was the reason which made her scared to pick up a weapon scared to be involved in conflict and just that she was doing it because she actively wanted to change. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I also personally think if the show had gone on, I think she would have eventually come to a balance where she could Mm -hmm. be a warrior for good. But at that newborn baby Mm -hmm. stage, she was (laughs) just simply not able to do it. That's interesting. I like that approach. Yeah. You just have to like cut out any, any, association with the old self to uh right. to go violence. new violence be this is a new drug. person yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely hmm. stasina <laughs> she knows <laughs> <laughs> there has been some reboot talk um boy we've sure been hoping for one um <laughs> in your mind you know let's say adrian somebody comes to you and say hey pitch us pitch us a reboot idea and you know uh you know Eve's involved. Go like what? What have you ever thought about that? If if Eve Eve were to come back in that world? Oh, I mean, on one hand, I think about it. On the other hand, it terrifies me because I just don't. <laughs> I think it's so tricky to try to recapture old magic. You know, it's just it, it's kind of an impossible thing. If I do think of Livia or Livia Eve, that whole history and where it might be now, I mean, I kind of alluded to it. I just really think she would have found balance. I think she mm. would now be you know, sort of centered, balanced and badass. And I think, you know, like the, the show that, that actually did get close to being created a couple of years ago, you know, it would have been a completely different creature. It was like 17, 16 year old Zena and Gabrielle kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I almost think Mm -hmm. that's the only way to do it because there's no way to try to find two actresses in this world now no. that can live up to what had happened before. So I really think you are looking 
you're looking to honor what came before without attempting to recreate it in any way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that would be. I mean, you know, I mean, we all joke about it because sure, would we like to go back and, and have another experience or have a three episode mini series or something? Of course, we would all find that amazing. But it's also, you know, also, as Lucy says, she's like, yeah, you know, like, let me get my walker. <laughs> like it's, you can't deny that time has passed and it's a difficult show to film and not, you know, I mean, it, it's just tricky. And you, you almost want that 17 year old who is happy to have seven fight scenes in every episode because, <laughs> you know, you are welcome to that, my dear, because, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's not as easy anymore uh, for, I mean, we all, you know, we were all of different ages back when the show was on. So I get it. I look at the scenes that you guys shot and I just think, oh, that looks exhausting. And um, where's the stunt double? Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it, it'd be interesting to see the demand for like, or the the people wanting a, a reboot or even just like you said, like a little three episode miniseries or a TV movie or something. I think the way they ended the show, people had a lot of issues with. And I wonder if, sure. if Zena and Gabrielle had ridden off happily into the sunset, would it be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to risk it. We got mm-hmm. the perfect closure, perfect ending. I think, I think that draw drives a lot of the, we just need her back. We just need to know she's alive. Yeah. Bring her back, wrap it up where we're all happy. And then you can do whatever you want. But I think oh, that, I understand that, that too. drives a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think people have a craving for the happy ending that they didn't get. And it, that completely makes sense. But I, I also just, I mean, I say this with love, but I also just feel that there is absolutely no ending that would really make everybody happy yeah. and feel logical and, you know, that could fit within what they've created. And yet, which is not to say that they shouldn't try. I mean, my God, we'd all be excited about it and enjoy every second of it and savor every new, new morsel of (laughs) programming that could come out. But it is a tricky thing. I mean, you know, they were certainly shocked by the reaction to the ending. It's not what they had expected. So I think that probably also makes them a little gun shy and, you know, curious. Can you imagine if Twitter was around when the show was on? (laughs) Or well, social media was, I mean, the internet just kind of was growing up. I mean, it's how a lot of us found each other or the show or the community, whatever. But, oh my goodness, if Twitter <laughs> had been around <laughs> when Xena was oh, on, yeah. I'm scared to have seen what would have gone <laughs> down. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't, honestly. Yeah, no, me too. It's a, it's a funny, you know, it's an amazing, social media is this extraordinary yeah. thing, but it's also a terrifying, crazy thing. It's yeah. all of the above. Yeah, it oh. can be. It can be brutal. <laughs> uh, but I like that that people are like you were out making keeping it positive, and you know, there there are positive voices to help drown out the negative. I have to I have to bring up before we get too close to running out of time. Adrian, you and I share a weird obsession that I heard you talk about on a podcast that I told these guys I had to bring up with you. Okay. You mentioned your obsession with the movie Annie when it oh. came out. Same here. I was so obsessed. And I was older than you, but I don't know what it was. I made my friend go sit with it, sit through it twice in a theater back to back with me. I was doing sketches of like from the movie, like the orphans. Uh, I shared the obsession because it was an awesome movie. I watched it again recently and I was sort of like scared. I was prepared to be really disappointed. And I'm telling you, that movie has, in my opinion, the most acrobatic children ever filmed. <laughs> yeah. I they're mean, like 
flying it's around with the, unbelievable yeah. like those are not stunt doubles those are eight-year-olds like yeah. how was that possible yeah. and it I think it was really special I really think it was an extraordinary movie and I will go to my grave saying that you will be hard-pressed to find a better performance than Carol Burnett as Miss Hannigan oh. oh, I mean sure oh. yeah Amazing. And I don't even think back then I I loved the movie and then Albert Finney. I didn't appreciate him. He was just daddy Warbucks to me at the time. This is embarrassing. (laughs) Can I tell you that he cried, that I cried when he died? And I was like, why am I crying over Albert? And it took me a minute to be like, Oh, that was Daddy Warbucks, and I have such <laughs> feeling like it was, yes. it was embarrassing. It was he a was thing. a great Daddy Warbucks, <laughs> yes. and I definitely did not appreciate the awesomeness of Carol Burnett, Bernadette Peters, and Tim Curry having that da- like, that whole dance number together and that whole yes. cast. At the when I was a kid, I was like, oh, this is fun. I knew Carol Burnett. I I, I appreciate her, but then you look back, it's like, man, that's some three quality entertainers doing their thing and oh uh, completely and the way that it could be double layered the way that kids love this movie and the kids the you know kid focused storyline but i mean these were very adult themes and very adult performances that were just oh they were so yummy i mean they really it was extraordinary (laughs) choreography so yeah, yeah it has aged well (laughs) <laughs> good. I feel, I feel like I caught it on TV not long ago too. And I was like, no, this is still good. And I can remember, like, I'm surprised all the little random, like, gestures a character makes, like Punjab and, and like all the little, like, some of the dialogue that I feel like, let's all go to the movies or whatever. Like, I, <laughs> how much of that movie has stayed with me from my little youngish self at the time? But, so, oh, I, yeah, I heard you it say that. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, she gets it. Annie was awesome. <laughs> so. Here's to Annie. Yay! <laughs> I feel like this podcast so is going to huh? turn into an, an Annie podcast. Oh, no, we're good. We're good. I'm good. offended good. by that. <laughs> well, you said you, you you mentioned that there was, hadn't been a show like when you started Xena that like that would have propelled you to that sort of devotion or that kind of like the go to the convention type thing. But did you, has there been any show you've seen that's that level of like, wow, I, you know, would I, that you've sort of had that level of fandom or, you know, that. I don't know that I could say I have reached the commitment level that I see most Cena fans reach. <laughs> yeah, that is commitment, um, yes. I certainly, I mean, I've never cosplayed in my life, but mm-hmm. I certainly have things that I absolutely love. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing makes me more excited than when I see a great performance and something that just gets my wheels turning, that I'm yeah. excited to see, that I am just thrilled that I got the opportunity to witness. I mean, that Mm -hmm. gets me all the time. So I don't know that I have a specific show, but I just know that I have a very deep love of entertainment in all mediums and understanding the value of it. The way that a book can literally change your life, the way that you can see something at the exact moment that you needed to see it to change your life. I mean, it's, yes, it's yeah. these little kismet moments that I just think, wow, human creatures beyond everything else we are at our core being, we're storytellers in whatever fashion. And it's how we communicate with each other. So whether modern day that's Twitter or whether that's <laughs> literature or movies or TV or whatever, what we do is understand our lives through storytelling Mm-hmm. And being part of that is something I will never not be excited about. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I watched your talk back with Penny that you did, I think back in March, mm. when we still thought there was a, a retreat that was going to happen. Right. And you'd mentioned how, 
you know, cause a lot of people, sometimes I feel like who are in the business, like you always hear them say, well, I don't have time to watch a lot of TV or And a lot of times they don't, like they're just so busy creating things that they don't necessarily have time to take it in. But you talked about sure. all the great content. I love that you, that you do watch TV and you love the storytelling and all the, all the different outlets and shows and how there's so much like more diverse storytelling because there's so many more outlets that they just got to fill the space so like like, let's give a show to this person that (laughs) if there were just three networks or four Mm -hmm. like back Mm -hmm. in the day they would have never gotten a show on or this story would have never been told yeah and now it's it's wide open you know as long as it's good as long as you can tell your story in a in a good way in an entertaining way then, hey, someone will put it on somewhere. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you can have smart storytelling at this point, you can find a place to potentially find an audience. It's not something that's just going to sit on the shelf. No. And I, that's an extraordinary moment that we're living in. It's really, it can feel slow, but it's hyperspeed compared to the history of what film and TV has had for the last hundred and what, 10 years that it's existed for film mm. and, you know, it's, it's a different creature right now. Yes. And it's overwhelming. There's so much out there, (laughs) but so much quality, but so much quality. Yeah. I mean, even Netflix itself, you can scroll down original Netflix shows and there's more than back in the day. We were all growing up watching TV. Um, There's more just on Netflix than like on all the networks combined. And uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, great time to, to be in this medium. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. Yeah. Well, Adrian, <laughs> how how can we uh, how can we support you? Do you have any projects coming up that we should be looking out for? Uh, yeah. How, how how can we help? How can we help people uh, see you? Um, beautiful. Thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, so my social keeps uh, I keep it all up to date. You can find me at yo underscore Adrian W on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Super subtle. Uh, or just look up Adrian Wilkinson on Facebook. And of course, adrianwilkinson.com is my website. Um, I do want to give a big shout out to a project that I have that's, I don't know exactly when it's coming out, but I'm, there will be an announcement very soon that has the specific details. But I did a film last year that should be coming out very soon. They are hoping that it will actually be in theaters and everything. Mm-hmm. So we'll see uh, based on COVID. But uh, it's a it's a film called Dreamcatcher, hmm. and <clears throat> I love this film so much. It is a sexy little thriller. <laughs> it is about a group of young adults that go to a, a rave, and one by one they get murdered. It's a oh, feel good yeah. film. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I, it's honestly so fun. It is sexy, interesting filmmaking and brilliant hmm. writing. I play Josephine Tully, who is the agent of the famous DJ. And I could not care less that these kids are dying. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I get my paycheck. And it takes for an incredibly fun character because she's so focused just on the bottom line and just has no heart. And it's horrible to say, but it is so much fun to play. It's really delicious. And it's, it's, it's not particular. And I'm not someone who enjoys horror movies, but it's not particularly scary. It's much more of a thriller. Mm. And it's not particularly gory. It's much more suspenseful, but it's just really fun writing. And I'm so proud of what we did. We made it in a a very small budget with just some really smart filmmaking. And I, it's apparently been testing incredibly well. So I'm, I'm hoping that people will enjoy it. And I will post as soon as I know when and where and how it will be available. 
Perfect. Perfect. Cool. Yes. Look forward to that. Excellent. Any uh, of your charities we should check out or you want to mention? Or uh, Well, every year I raise uh, funds for families dealing with medical bills, medical crises, and which, of course, this year has never been more front and center um, in our consciousness. Uh, generally speaking, every year the events that I do are centered around either a Xena convention or the Zenite retreat. So we're looking at April next year will be my next big event. But donations can be made at any time at my website, adrianwilkinson.com. And 100% of that goes to uh, families that are dealing with medical crises. So it could be, um, it's sort of, I guess in a small way, it's kind of like Ronald McDonald House. Like we're just supporting people in the ways that mm-hmm. we can and the limited ways that we can to know that they're not alone. And mm-hmm. there are people who want to support them in the small ways that we can. And even if individually we can't do a lot together, we can do a lot, which is nice. Hmm. Very cool. And was that just an animal? That yeah. What was that? What, what was that? <laughs> sorry. Yes. No, we love the animals when they show yeah. up on this. Uh, sorry. That's oh, my dog. hi. <laughs> no, don't apologize. Hi. <laughs> my cat made a quick appearance earlier and I yes. was like, yeah, come I'm up here. And- <laughs> shown up. I caught that. I caught Big that. animal friendly <laughs> podcast we have. Yes. <laughs> What's uh, his or her name? Uh, his name is Tazo. Aww. And in just like a the couple team. of, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, um, nice. He will turn 14 in just a couple of weeks. Ooh. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. Happy yeah. birthday, Tazo. That's exactly. amazing. He's a champ. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adrian, we can't thank you enough for joining us and Tazo as well. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. When we we were reaching out uh, to try to get guests for this month, Mary D was like, you need to get Adrian. And she had nothing but good things to say about you. She She's Aww. a huge fan of yours. Um, and so thanks to her, you were able to join us here today. So we uh, we can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Aww. Well, thank you guys. And yes, shout out to Mary D. She is a, an extraordinary creature that I'm lucky to know. And and we have a, a mutual uh, appreciation society between us. So <laughs> <laughs> We feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> no, you are the best. No, you are the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. Uh, thank you, guys. Have a great day. Boy, was that delightful. She's so cool. I, I don't know. I think I may have met her in an autograph line years ago. She's been <laughs> so involved with the fans, but I, that's the most I've ever gotten to talk to her. And she's very, uh, like a good, seems like a very good, positive energy, positive, putting good things out in the world type of person. And, and um, you know, it seems like she's most, a dog person. And she likes her. Yes. Supports a lot of charities, including animal charities. Yeah, she's she's a uh, she's a good egg. Yeah, she's very much so. So we had we had talked about maybe getting into our favorite, our like top ten Xena episode list, but uh, talking to Adrian was was so much fun that we are not doing that this week. Um, and frankly, um, we might not do it next week because we're talking to Renee O'Connor next week. Ooh. You know who she is? She played Gabrielle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we will we will definitely at some point t- have our top 10 episode list. We don't um, want to rush it. No. Yeah. Who cares about us when Renee O'Connor and Adrian Wilkinson are on? Yeah. Well, we're going to have to cut this short, Renee and Adrian, because we've got to talk about our favorite episodes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Got to go. I can hear all of the podcasts clicking off. Yeah. Is that what they do? Do they click off? I don't know. Turn us down. Uh, it could be a click. It could be turned down. It a could swipe. be a sh- a swipe. swipe it off swipe. swiping us yeah, the wrong way. Oh. and yeah. uh you know uh the book giveaway that we're doing we're gonna do that tw- that tweet at some point right we're gonna do yep. that whole yep. situation 
Still not out there. <laughs> we will. It's like a treasure hunt. Oh, Sarah's still rereading the rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just finalizing the rules. Yes. But we will. So, so yes. So you- Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook to uh, to to get your chance to win one of Mary D's Zena, their courage changed our world books. So uh, stay tuned for that. Rules to follow <laughs> at Snop Podcast for the Twitter and at Sheenerdell Podcast for Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to send us an email, tell us about your favorite Zena episodes. Tell us about uh, your favorite Live slash Eve episode or scene you can send an email to she nerds out at gmail.com and if you like the snop if you want to snop some more you can please help us out by subscribing to this podcast on apple itunes and giving us a review and leave us a rating we would like it <laughs> thank you for doing all of that in advance <laughs> a lot of work <laughs> we like to think we're changing people's lives one snop at a time mm. and on that note fellow snobs. She nerds out. She nerds out. We're girls that like girls that like nerdy.